the Yankees didn't win the World Series. But what's wrong with what I'm wearing now? I mean, why are you hating on a brother? You know, Mark Twain uh, was a well-known author in the 19th century. And he said, clothes make the man. Naked people have little or no influence on society. Can I have my shirt, please? <laughs> Naked people have little or no influence on society. And he said that to say that what we wear actually affects our society and what other people think about us. Like it or not. So if I wear running pants and a Derek Jeter jersey, that says something about me, doesn't it? Some of you this morning didn't know me. You saw me walking around and you probably had some impression of me based on what I wore. Others of you knew me and you still had the same impression. <laughs> Unfortunately. But if I wear what I had on to the mall or to the gym or to the club, that might mean that I'm stylish, maybe, if I was in the 80s. But if I wear it to church to preach, that's a completely different story, isn't it? I don't know what you might have been thinking. Boy, that's, that's kind of disrespectful for him to wear that. He's actually going to preach like that. Or, uh, I don't know, he's kind of crazy. Maybe he's out of touch, you might have been thinking. I don't know. But, does it change? Does it change who I am? I need my coat too, thank you. <laughs> does it change who I am? morning, okay? Rated G. Don't worry. Clothes really do shape how people perceive us and what people think about us. Like it or not, if a woman dresses immodestly, maybe too much skin in the wrong places or something that's uh, so tight that it leaves little to the imagination, that really does say something. It doesn't change who you are, but it says something. Maybe you like to look cute, or maybe you want attention. I don't know. But I wore what I wore this morning, obviously, to make this point. And I got a lot of different reactions from many of you as I walked in. Tony, you just get back from the gym? You gonna be playing baseball after church or something? Matt came uh, for the pre-service meeting, he's like, bro. He's like, what's wrong with you? you know, like, how dare you wear something like that to church on a Sunday morning? But, but why? Why might we think the things that we thought? It's because the evangelist isn't supposed to look like that. The preacher, the minister, isn't supposed to look like that. Jonathan asked me four or five different times, what's up? What are you doing? Why are you wearing this? How come you got that on? And I had to just tell him, chill, chill, it's okay, it's all right. And I did make a special effort to talk to some of those who may not have known me. 
Uh, I spoke to a guy right here in the back, Larry, from uh, Newport News. I, I hope you don't feel uncomfortable my, by me pointing you out. But uh, we were just having some chit-chat, some small talk. You know, I asked him, you know, where are you from? What do you do? And he asked me, so where are you from? <laughs> so I'm from right here. I started telling him a little bit of my story. And, okay, so uh, you, you uh, go here? And I'm like, yeah, I'm the minister. <laughs> he was like, oh, no problem, no problem. I said, I know my clothes might not look like it, but you're very, very gracious. Thank you. Thank you. But we do have these perceptions of people based upon what we dress and what we wear. You know, there's even science behind it. Experiments have been done that patients respect doctors more and do what the doctor says more often when the doctor is wearing a white coat versus street clothes, believe it or not. That's the only difference. Just put on a white coat and all of a sudden people respect and listen to what you have to say. Women are more likely to be hired in certain jobs when they wear more masculine clothing. Now, I don't mean they need to look like a man, but you know what I mean? Like Hillary Clinton wore a pantsuit. You know what I mean? There's a reason why she did that, because she was trying to uh, do something that typically men do. No commentary on the election and everything else, just talking about our clothes. And so not only do clothes affect what others think about us, but clothes can even affect what we think about ourselves, believe it or not. This is why women buy new outfits for special occasions, right? I've never understood that. Every time we have a special occasion, Leslie says, I have to go get a new outfit. I'm like, what's wrong with like the plethora of outfits you have in this closet? It just doesn't make sense to me. But a new outfit changes the way that, uh, well, both men and women, it changes the way that we think about ourselves. It's proven that if you work from home, you'll be more productive wearing office clothes than if you wore your pajamas. You will be more productive wearing office clothes than if you wore your pajamas. And so our clothing affects how we think about ourselves. What's this have to do with us this morning? Well, Just like I'm supposed to dress a certain way as the minister, Colossians 3 says that as Christians, we should also dress a certain way to honor and to glorify God. Amen. Amen. Christians, too, have a wardrobe that we should wear. And these clothes affect what others think about us. And they should remind others about Jesus Christ. Please uh, join with me as we pray, and we'll get into the sermon. Father in heaven, we love you, we praise you, God, and and honor and adore you. We're just so thankful and grateful, and it's so much fun to lift you up in song and to talk about how much we love you. We thank you so much that we have these songs to sing. We thank you that you've placed these songs in our hearts. We thank you that we can worship you and that we can please you with every single aspect of our lives God, as we read your word this morning in Colossians chapter 3, uh, let our hearts be stirred. Let our hearts be moved, Father, by how you want us to represent you. Let us consider the spiritual clothing that we put on on a day-by-day basis and how that clothing can affect not just ourselves, but other people as well. We thank you, Father. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So join with me here in Colossians chapter 3. You can advance, advance the slide. 
Now we've been going through Colossians 3. Jonathan uh, went through chapter 2, verse 20 through 3, 4, I believe, last week. And then at midweek we covered um, 3, 5 through 11. I'm just going to read all of uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 17, just to give us context. So we'll begin there. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you die, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, But Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Amen? title of this morning's lesson is The Christian Wardrobe. The Christian Wardrobe. Uh, Again, in Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, Paul says that at our baptisms, we died. We were buried, and through our faith, we were made alive again in Jesus Christ. And at the time of our baptisms, not before, not after, our sins were forgiven, And we were set free from sin, meaning we were released from the power of sin. He goes on to say at the beginning of Colossians chapter 3 that since we died and have been raised, that we should take off whatever belongs to our earthly natures. And he lists five different vices or virtues, sexual morality, impurity, lust, greed, on and on and on. And we talked about that this past Wednesday. In other words, he's talking about what not to do. Here in our passage this morning, Colossians 3, beginning in verse 12, he's saying that since we died and have been raised, then this is what we should now put on. Or in other words, what to do. The new self with the new practices. And we talked on Wednesday night that with new things come new behaviors, right? With a new car, you, you act differently. You, you, you eat and you drink differently in the car. With 
new carpet, right? You, 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 the, the husband who comes in, he, he doesn't track mud onto the new carpet anymore, right? New things require new behaviors. It's the same way, same thing for us in Jesus Christ. But perhaps one of the most profound questions that every person needs to answer is this. Next slide. And this is point number one. Who am I? Next slide. There you go. Who am I? The answer to that question forever alters the course of our lives. One of the most profound questions that we can ask ourselves. Who am I? Many answer that question in terms of their jobs. Next slide. Maybe you're an engineer. Maybe you're a soldier. Maybe you're a healthcare professional. I don't know. Some answer that question in terms of their possessions. I'm a millionaire. I possess lots of money. Some answer that question in terms of their gender. I'm a man. I'm a woman. Maybe their ethnicity. I'm African American. Some, maybe their health situation. I'm a cancer survivor. I'm a diabetic, perhaps. Or even maybe our role in life. I'm a father. Or if you've ever listened to Dr. Laura Schlesinger on the radio, she says, I am my kid's mom. Which is a great thing to be, by the way. But this would definitely determine what types of clothes we wear. Based upon who we are or who we perceive ourselves to be or our jobs, we wear different types of clothes and that affects things. And so how would you answer that question for your own life? Who are you? If you were to put that into one simple clear, concise statement. You know, the simple answer is we are who God says we are. That's who we are. We don't define ourselves. God made us and he's the only one qualified to define his creation. God answers that question in terms of him in Colossians 3 verse 12. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. This is who God says we are. Therefore, this is who we are. Are you with me? We are God's chosen. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, you can advance the slide. The, the scripture is right up here. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is who we are. This is our identity. And our identities shape our purposes and the directions of our lives and even what we wear. There's a movie that Leslie and I took the kids to go see recently. It was um, Mo Moana. Am I pronouncing it right? Moana? 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 A a girl who's on an island and she has to rescue her people. But basically, 
her parents told her that her identity was to be a queen. She was meant to stay on the island, be a queen, and govern her people. But the island got sick, in a sense. You know, bad things started happening. I'm not going to give away the movie. But I think she realized that soon she wouldn't have anything left to govern unless something happened. And so through different circumstances and courses of events, she realized that her identity was actually to be a voyager. She had come from a long line of voyagers, and somehow that had gotten lost in their history. And so she seeks to go and recapture that identity for herself. And as she did, that led her to her purpose as a restorer of life for her people. The island was, I'm just calling it sick, and by the end of the movie, the island was better again. Again, without giving up much of the movie. Kind of a similar thing here with... What, I gave it all away? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) It's a lot more intricate than that, but... (laughs) But even here in the verse, as, as Peter writes it, he gives us our identity and then he gives us our purpose. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that... You may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And so God says, this is who you are and this is why I've made you. I've made you to praise me. I've made you to worship me, to honor me, to give up your life for me. You're made only to be complete with me. That's your purpose in life. That's why God placed each of us here on this earth, not to set our own courses, not to do our own thing. For me, before I decided to follow Jesus, I thought my purpose in life was to make lots of money and spend the rest of my life enjoying it. That's what I thought. I think the Westminster Catechism gets it right. It says that man's chief end is to glorify God. And to enjoy him forever. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. We are his chosen people. Out of all the people on earth that have come and gone or that are still living on earth right now or will live, you know, if Jesus doesn't return, God has chosen us, believe it or not. There's 7 billion people just on the planet today. How many people have been on planet Earth since the beginning of time up till now? I don't know. A few more billion. How many people will be after we're gone before Jesus returns? I don't know. All I know is that there's a whole lot of people out there. And there's just a few people who've chosen to follow Jesus. And we are a part of those few people. And we are chosen. You being here this morning is not a mistake. It's not an accident. It's not the result of a flip of a coin, although some of you may have done that to decide whether or not you come to church this morning. But God made sure that it landed on heads and that you ended up here. It's for a reason. And if we're Christians, disciples, followers of Jesus Christ, we are chosen people, chosen by God. We have been consecrated because not only are we chosen, 
but we're also holy, the Bible says. We've been rescued and set apart from the world's darkness, the world's filth. We've been repurposed, reserved for a noble task to be a light to the world, to be a witness and to testify to Jesus or to do God's holy work of saving souls. And lastly, he says that we are dearly loved, not just loved, but a special kind of love. A focused kind of a love. Dearly loved. You know, God would do anything for us. Anything God would do for us. And he already has done everything for us. What does it say in Romans 8? He says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us what? All things. All things. That's how dearly loved we are this morning. And so what is our identity? Who are we? We are his chosen people. We are his holy people. And we are his dearly loved people. People who are holy and set apart, dearly loved and chosen by God, live and behave differently than those who are not. Because of their identity... And because of whose they are. As a result, they dress the part. Next slide. What do I wear? Point two. Point two. Second and last point, by the way. What do I wear? Again, verse 12. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. The Greek for... Clothe yourselves is exactly what it says. Put on clothes. I love it when it works out that way. You don't have to get into all the exegesis and the definitions and the da-da-da-da-da. It is what it says. Put on some clothes. And Paul has used this metaphor before. If you remember Ephesians chapter 6, he says, put on what? The full armor of God. Right? Right? And so Paul does use this metaphor of attaching virtue to clothing sometimes. And perhaps he uses this metaphor to highlight the the effort and the daily decision that's necessary to have the character of Christ and to treat others in this way. As it's listed here in Hebrews, or I'm sorry, Colossians 3, 12. Next slide, by the way. There we go. You know, our clothes don't just appear on our bodies in the morning, unless we sleep in them the night before. I don't think we do that, but our clothes don't appear on our bodies. It takes effort. Just like you saw earlier on, you saw me actually put on clothes. They weren't just there. I had to place them on my body. It took some effort. Not only that, but we have to decide what to wear. Now, for men, that takes me about 30 seconds to figure out what I'm going to wear. For others... That takes, for others, others, that takes a lot longer. It could be 30 minutes or more to figure out what some want to wear in the morning. But in the same way, even though we've been buried and raised with Christ to a new life, we've been filled with his spirit, most of us still have to decide 
Most of us still have to put forth effort in treating others with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You know, yesterday, I kind of had, well, I I wouldn't say I had a bad day. I, I don't like saying that I have bad days. I think every day is a good day for me. But it was definitely a dip yesterday. It was kind of cold. You know, I got up in the morning and and immediately I was flooded with all these things that I needed to do. Uh, I took the kids on a couple of errands and I'm driving back and forth, back and forth on the highway, doing the errands. I'm trying to manage my time because I'm trying to figure out, all right, I I know I need to finish up the sermon. and, And then I knew that once I got home, I had to hang Christmas lights on the roof in the cold. And I just was not looking forward to that. And um, so, you know, I'm up there and I'm like on the roof. I'm almost sliding off the roof. I'm thinking I'm about to break my neck here in just a minute. And I got the lights on there. And then I realized that I had the had the wrong end of the plug down there hanging off the roof. So I had to rip it all off and flip the lights back the other way around to get the right end hanging off the roof. And I'm just like, oh, man. And so I was just grumpy. I was just grumpy for most of the day yesterday. I didn't decide to put on the clothes that Jesus wore. I got dressed in the dark. I just put on any old thing yesterday. And it showed, unfortunately. You know, verse 13 says, bear with each other. And forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I'm not going to go through all the different definitions of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. I think that we've been through these enough. We, we know, we understand. We know what it means to bear with one another. We know what it means to love one another, to forgive one another. Paul says that that love is kind of the accessory piece that pulls the whole outfit together, right? Maybe it's 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 the belt that matches with the shoes and and, and the shirt. I don't know. I'm not a fashionista at all. We got to ask Tanner back there about being a, a fashionista. He would be able to tell us about how to dress. Not me. <laughs> but you know, Paul also could have used this metaphor to reflect a, a change of status. Because in the first century, they didn't have a a huge closet full of of clothes to to choose from. They didn't have elaborate wardrobes. They they would have worn much the same thing pretty much every day. And their clothing wouldn't really change until their status changed. So if they went from free to being a slave or slave to free, if they went from being a tradesman to perhaps being a politician or, or vice versa, those things would have warranted a change of of clothing. And because of that, people would have viewed them differently. They would have gotten more or less respect in society at the time. And so since we've been raised with Christ, our status has also changed. We've gone from lost to now being saved. Amen. We've gone from not a people to now being a people, from not having mercy to now receiving mercy from God. Because our status has changed, therefore, we should treat each other differently. We should wear different clothes. And so these are our clothes. 
what we wear does affect how others perceive us and what people think about us. And even what people think about Jesus. Next slide. John 13, 34 and 35, a familiar verse says, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another by this. Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. In other words, what you wear affects what other people think about you and about Jesus Christ. Next slide. So ask yourselves, what clothes did we put on this morning? Did we pick our outfits from the Christian wardrobe this morning? I hope and I pray that we did. Here's a practical for each of us. Uh, Each day this week, decide, like really, I mean, like think about it. When you wake up in the morning, you know what I mean? And you're about to roll out of bed. Just kind of take just a few seconds to think. All right, let me just pull myself together here. Let me think about how I'm going to treat other people today. Maybe even say a little prayer. Father, please help me to treat in particular my brothers and sisters with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Help me to bear with my brother and sister today. Help me to love my brother and sister today. Not just my brother and sister, but everybody today. Amen? Amen. Let's actually try to put this into practice this week. Lastly, here in verse 15, I'm sorry, I don't have time to to dive deep into the the rest of the passage. Um, I just encourage everyone to, to read it on your own, study it out on your own. But treating others like Christ brings out the peace of Christ. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body, you are called to peace and be thankful. There's nothing like a broken relationship to cause inner conflict and worry in our lives. We've been called to peace and to peaceful relationships since we're all one body. And when we treat each other with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, when we bear with each other, when we love one another, guess what? Our relationships get a whole lot better. And there's peace in the relationship. Amen? Amen. Many verses talk about getting peace. This verse here in verse 15, he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. It assumes that there's already peace there. And Paul is saying, let that peace Now rule. Let peace have authority in our hearts, not worry, not anxiety. And as Christians, we do have peace. Jesus died to heal the number one source of conflict and pain in our lives and in our relationships. And it was our broken relationship with God. He died, he was buried, and he rose again so that we could have True, authentic peace with God. God wants this amazing peace to rule and to reign in our lives. He wants all of us to be able to sleep easy at night. Rest easy on the pillow. Knowing that our most important relationship has been healed. And if you don't have this peace between you and God in your heart this afternoon, you can You can be changed 
you can get the answer to the question, who am I? You can find your true identity and the real reason why you exist. And you can wear clothes to match. I encourage you to sit down. Open the Bible with whomever brought you this afternoon. Let them teach you how to find true peace in Jesus Christ. Church, and I'm wrapping up. We have an identity given to us by God. We are his dearly loved, holy, and chosen people. And we have a dress code. We should clothe ourselves not with sexual morality, impurity, lust, and greed, but with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We should bear with each other and forgive each other. And the clothing accessory that ties the outfit all together is what? Love. Love. Let's clothe ourselves in the pattern of Jesus Christ this week. Amen? Amen.